The following is message number five of a Southeast Blending Conference held in Jacksonville, Florida on the evening of September 4th, 2011. The title of the message is Being Built Up in the Church as the City of God, Part 2, Knowing the Aspects of the Church as the City of God, and the speaker is Brother Ron Kangas. I'd like to point out a central matter in this outline so we can all have a very clear focus on what I believe is the burden of the Lord's Spirit tonight. And I want to point out those words and phrases in the outline that speak of ruling or reigning. On Roman numeral one, the city of God is the kingdom for the God King to rule and reign. Roman numeral two, Christ needs a city in which to rule and reign. And point B, Psalm 46 speaks of the city, a kingdom for ruling. Roman numeral three, as the city, the church is God's kingdom, the place of his ruling. Roman numeral four, here the church has become the city over which God rules and from which God reigns. Then point two under A, the city, the ruling center of God in his kingdom. Then capital B, in Psalm 47, we have the God King ruling over the earth through the city. Two, when the church becomes the city, God will subdue the peoples through the city and rule over all the earth in Christ as the king. And then in point three, the church as the city will bring the entire earth under God's authority and kingship in Christ. In order properly to introduce the divine thought concerning ruling and reigning, we need to consider uh, two main things. The first is the stages of man's fall and then the stages of our recovery. Then the other matter will be reigning in life, according to Romans 5.17. When mankind was created and was in the garden, 
man lived under the direct rule of God. There was direct speaking back and forth. The man did not know what was good, what was evil. He only knew God. God created him. God placed him in a situation. God spoke to him. And God directed him what to do. Actually, this is something rather difficult for us to even conceive of. Sorry to say, uh, often those who claim to conceive of this are probably mentally ill and have a bizarre claim. I don't say this to belittle anyone, but I do know as soon as we mention something, the wild thoughts of some intrude, thinking, yes, uh, I live under the direct rule. God speaks to me audibly all the time. But the fact remains, before the fall, man lived under God, exercising the organ of his spirit, primarily the intuition and the fellowship. The conscience was not active. The human spirit has the three main functions of conscience, intuition, and fellowship. So by the intuition, man knows God directly. And then by the fellowship, there is sweet interaction. After man disobeyed and ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the human spirit was deadened. It was somewhat dormant or comatose. Not dead, but deadened. And the conscience was activated. And for a long period of time, God ordained that the people on earth would live according to their conscience. So Abel lived this way. He knew he was sinful. He understood God required the shedding of blood. He brought the sacrifice. But from that time until the flood, hardly anyone lived according to the conscience. You need to realize there was no human government on earth. So Lamech would boast to his wives 
I kill a man if he hurts me. I don't just hurt him back. I slaughter him. He was boasting. And the earth was filled with violence. This was an outstanding characteristic. And a sidebar, our Lord Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Violence is so prevailing, vast percentage of the population is numb to it. And I read many years ago an interesting study of the reaction of elementary school children to a particular scene from the Walt Disney movie, Bambi. And when I saw that in the 1940s, and Bambi lost his mother in the forest fire, we, we just wept. We were so sad. And we wept with Bambi. And then a couple generations later, the young people were numb. It was almost a lark. But that's the sidebar. Because lawlessness filled the earth, and only a few were righteous, God decided to terminate that generation and save only Noah and his family. After Noah emerged from the ark, God ordained human government. And the seed of this is there in Genesis 9, I think that's the chapter. I may be wrong. And God said, if man sheds human blood, by man his blood will be shed. Now that is not a call to vengeance. That is the institution of human government. Because history demonstrated that if lawlessness fills the earth and there is chaos and disorder, there is no way for God's purpose to be fulfilled on earth. So this is the situation in which we were born. Human government is everywhere, and according to Romans 13 and portions in 1 Peter, we surely honor the government ordained by God. Paul even honored Nero in writing Romans 13. However, especially in the West, some have problems with government, period. 
At a certain point, we believed in the Lord, received Him into us, and we were born of God. We now have the life and nature of God in our spirit. And our spirit is life. This begins the process of our recovery in life so that we may fulfill Genesis 1.26, expressing God and representing God, having dominion over the earth. So surely, if we are wrong in any way with government, human government, the Lord in us, will stir and trouble us and direct us to make things right. Then once we give ourselves to the Lord, having cleared the past under the Spirit's leading, and we consecrate to the Lord, the first stage of the dealings in life begins. And we deal with sin. And we confess sins. And repent of sins. And rejoice in the forgiveness of sins. She who is forgiven much, loves much. And we know the cleansing of the Lord's blood. And then we deal with the world. Anything that replaces God, that usurps our being. This brings us to the crucial stage of dealing with the conscience. And when I speak about this, we all need to be exercised to understand clearly. Paul said, Herein I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense. And he said he served God in a pure conscience. Even one time in Acts, he testified of this. He exercises himself to have a good conscience. And someone slapped him. And Paul responded, calling him, you whitewashed wall. Why do you strike me? Contrary to the law. Then someone said to him, is that how you speak to the high priest? Paul right away said, brothers, I did not know that was the high priest. It is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of the people. So he cleared it up on the spot. 
This exercise of the conscience is first a stage, meaning it is a period in which the Lord's dealing with us is concentrated on this. Thereafter, it is a continuous exercise as needed. If we are diligent in caring for the conscience, we will be recovered from human government to the rule of the conscience within us. We won't need to have a radar detecting device on our dashboard. Once a brother gave a testimony, he was driving with his young son. Maybe the boy was seven or eight. He said, Dad, we, keep, we obey the law, don't we? He said, yes, son, we do. Then the boy asked, then why do we have a radar detector <laughs> on the dashboard? So that's a kind of combo of human government and conscience. We cannot bypass this. Now, here is the point that may be hard to really understand. If we stop here, we're only half recovered. And I am not mocking now, I don't do that, but I'm illustrating, and I'll tell you why I use this illustration, of a brother who once was an elder and a co-worker who was really a James among us, quite religious. And he gave this message on the conscience. And he said, I'm always dealing with my conscience, dealing. And many were impressed. But at the point that he rebelled, he was straining gnats and swallowing camels. He would say, I would not be found dead in a movie theater. He would never be found drinking any kind of beer. but he could cause division without any compunction. And I learned a lot, not from criticizing him. I'm not his judge. And I compared his living with the living of a God-man named Brother Lee, and I saw that is religion, ethics, morality, merely Boy Scout. No Christ, 
or very little. Dealing with his conscience. So he could appear before brotherly, humbly, acting so humbly. And then go out and publicly refer to him as old blind Eli. Don't go to the old blind man. Then he set up another table meeting in the city of Anaheim. Dealing with his conscience. A pattern of what not to be. Now, we must learn how to have a good conscience. Even a pure conscience. But if we stop here, and continue to live our Christian life and our church life, we will just be good men. Ethical, moral. We don't practice sins. When we fail, we confess. We don't love the world. But neither are we under God's rule directly. Because we are not under God's direct rule, we cannot rule. We can only help others become good, religious, strict, legal, moral, ethical, biblical, quote, spiritual. But if we are not under God's direct rule, then God cannot rule over us and he cannot rule through us. If that's the situation in all the churches, then there is no city, only the house. The city, the ruling center, is where God rules and from which he rules. So the Lord's recovery of us in life continues. He dispenses himself into us. He mingles himself with us. He leads us through the breaking of the outer man, the dealing with the self, the flesh, the natural constitution, the dealing with the spirit. And now our spirit is trained not only in the conscience, but our intuition is trained to know God directly. And our fellowship faculty is developed so that the Lord can impress us with his intention, his leading, his desire. And this is accompanied by the shining of Jesus and the flowing of the river and our inner senses I'm a person 
learning to live inwardly under God's direct rule. I'm very thankful that someone called him 942. Please don't turn to it again. But I'd like to read parts of it in this light. God's kingdom on the earth is now his sovereign government within. There is a government within us. Tis Christ himself, not just our conscience, Christ himself in us to live as Lord and King to rule and reign inwardly. I ask you, brothers, brothers, please, don't define yourself into this, this by thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. I had that experience all day yesterday. Generally, that is the voice of inauthenticity. If you are it, you are it. This is not an elementary thing. His life with his authority enthrones him now within our hearts. Is this not something more than the conscience? Just saying this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is evil. This is now the Lord enthroned by his life and he's enthroned within our hearts. And what does he do? He governs our words. I'm still learning this. Our words and deeds. And he regulates our inward parts. Some dear saints, brothers and sisters alike, they are ruled, all right, by their mood. So many dear sisters, I feel it, therefore it is. That's how I feel. Nobody touches my inner being, okay. That includes God. Then you will be ruled by yourself. But when we allow this lovely king to rule in us, he regulates our inward parts by shining, by flowing, by tenderly adjusting us. The Lord enthroned within our hearts his kingdom doth establish there. Stanza four. Tis by his reign within our hearts that life to us he e'er supplies. We let him reign in us, the throne is there, here comes the river, flooding our whole being. When taking him as Lord and King, his wealth, our being satisfies. Tis by his ruling from within, his fullness vast is testified. Tis when his inner kingdom rules, 
his body's blessed and edified. If the inner kingdom can rule in the hearts of even a few brothers and sisters, the whole church, the whole body will be blessed. When his inner kingdom rules, his body is blessed. But there may be local church A, where no one lives like this. No one has been recovered to this stage. The leading ones are men of conscience. They really take care of their conscience. So if a brother said something unpleasant to his wife at 9, 10 in the morning, then because he's a man of conscience, before he leaves for the Lord's table, he'll want to clear his conscience. So he'll go to his wife, not caring for her, but caring for his conscience. So he can go to the table in peace, and now she's doubly offended by the offense and by your selfish, me first, confession. I realize you may not understand this. I don't say I never apologize to my wife or she never apologizes to me. But mainly, what we're looking for and appreciate is the other party is now one with the Lord. And we come to each other with this realization. Dear, my being is telling you, I was wrong. You know that. I'm sorry. So no one in... in Local church A is at this stage of hymn 942. So that church remains the house. A pleasant house. Enjoy, enjoyable place. But the prayer meetings of that church cannot be the exercise of the kingdom. That's a foreign thing. They can pray according to a list, according to an agenda. But when the Lord begins to gain brothers and sisters, spreading in them as the king with his administration, some are under the Lord's direct rule. And then in a prayer meeting, that brother, by his intuition, knows the Lord's burden and waits for an opportunity and either prays along a certain line or has some fellowship with the church 
Several years ago, there was a prayer meeting in Anaheim. And some sisters in particular really got going, these older sisters. They might pray 30 times in a meeting. And uh, I have to be honest, I don't want to hide. I realized that if we stay here, we'll not fulfill God's purpose. So, in a, in a good way, I stopped the meeting. And I said, brothers and sisters, I feel the Lord wants us to all calm down, quiet down, because he is going to turn the prayer into another direction. I didn't know what the direction was. I only knew there needed to be some reigning in that meeting. So there wasn't deathly silence, there was a calm. And maybe after 20 seconds, a middle-aged sister in her 50s flowed out the prayer. And we realized that was on the Lord's heart. And we prayed for Boston in a prevailing way. But if there's no one in the meeting, and I'm not suggesting I alone, there, I, I do know there were sisters that had the same sense. But they couldn't function in that way as sisters. But they would pray for some other brothers to do it. So we fell from God to the conscience to human government. Now we're being re recovered all the way back so that we become a person inwardly under the direct rule of God in Christ in the way of life. The risk in mentioning this is that some who are not that stable and not that clear will think any impulse they get is God. Any feeling they have is God. Any thought they have is God. They will say, oh, I know this. No, you don't. You are actually in a desperate situation. Your being is wide open for deception. I'm talking about an experience of Christ as life gradually expanding within us so that we are always diligent to care for any problem in our conscience, but we don't stop with being good. God wants God-men under his rule, and so we learn, we exercise. Now the Lord covers me. I'd like to testify to you, this is real. This afternoon, I realized I must consider what the message will be, what the burden is.
It's not just to read the outline. There has to be a burden related to the outline. And I just sat there in my room and I asked the Lord, what should I speak? No, I can't find that out just by caring for my conscience. If I decide to turn the TV on and hunt for HBO and spend my time doing that, my conscience would condemn me. But the TV wasn't on. And there was no distraction. I needed to find out from God what he wants to speak forth. I didn't hear a voice. There wasn't any kind of strange sense of someone in the room. There was this shining, this gentle flowing, this sweet realization. Speak to the saints about living under God's direct rule. Then related to our being recovered to God's direct rule is Romans 5.17. Much more those who receive of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. And verse 21 says, Grace reigns unto eternal life. And I'm so thankful for that portion of the high peak ministry at the end of our brother's life, which crystallized this for us. To be saved in life equals reigning in life. And to reign in life doesn't mean I go around giving directions to others. It means I am under the rule of the divine life in my being. And therefore, as the Spirit leads can exercise to reign with the Lord over negative things, over death in the meeting, over confusion in the meeting. Please allow me to say in purity and genuineness for me to stand up and stop the prayer meeting was reigning. If that hadn't happened, the burden would not have been released and there could have been a serious lack. Often there's a fight in the prayer meeting through unruly persons. A fight to know the Lord's mind. But first, the divine life needs to subdue us, <clears throat> enable us to reign over our own being. And this happens as we are being saved in life. As this 
gradually develops in sisters and brothers. And it should develop first in the leading brothers, otherwise they're not leading in this matter. Even if it develops first in sisters, which is okay, as long as they know their standing and do not overstep based on their spirituality, but will pray for the brothers. So in Miami, the church in Miami, if there would be a few brothers, if there would be some sisters who are gained by the Lord in his salvation and are brought on through his shepherding and begin to touch what is in him 942. We could spend an hour alone with the Lord with that hymn. A lot of light would come. Lord, what is ruling my heart? What controls my inward parts? I don't agree that I be manipulated by the enemy in my mind. I love you. I open my entire inner being to you. I will not share my being with the enemy or with death or with the self. When this happens, the church is strengthened and it, the wall is starting to be built. And the church becomes the city and the church is under God's rule. Every meeting, every activity, every relationship in the church is under God's rule in life with his sweet shining. Please remember what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of the Son of God's love. Then this church can be the vessel through which the Lord will rule. The prayers of that church will affect the world situation. There was some experience of this in Anaheim in the year 2000. And this is not a political matter. You all know the situation of the presidential election and the dispute in Florida. And the church prayed that the will of God in the heavens would reach the earth. There was resistance on the earth to what God had determined to do. Don't think this is a matter of your political party or your preference. I would have the same consciousness of the last election. God chose Barack Obama. I say amen to God. I honor your choice. And I honor my president. But I vote for the throne. Well, because the church was able to pray as the city, 
then the Lord had a way through that kind of prayer to bring His will to the earth. And now the next comment is just an interpretation. If there had been a different president on 9-11, 10 years ago, we would be in a different situation today. God needed a man of will, a man of this. Then he's gone. God needs something else. We are not the Republican Party, the Green Party, the Democratic Party at prayer. We are not political. But we realize the world situation affects the Lord's interests. Do you think the disintegration of the Soviet Union was an accident? Well, the Lord wants to do so much through the church, but he's committed to the way of life, salvation in life, recovery by life, growing in life, reigning in life, until we're not merely just good people, Eagle Scouts with merit badges all over the place. We maintain a proper conscience, but we don't end up like James. We end up like Paul, like John, God-men, living under the shining of Jesus living under the flowing river, men under God's rule in the Spirit with the kingdom expanding in their hearts, then through such ones, God will begin to build a city. Now we can read through the outline, not going too slowly. And some of the details will fill in. This is the central matter. That we need to be under God's rule. So that through us, the church is the city. The Lord will rule the earth. And the goal is, the whole earth will be brought under the kingly rule of God in Christ. Of course, that will not happen until the Lord returns. But the particular responsibility of the church is to bring in the kingdom by being the reality of the kingdom and by exercising the authority of the kingdom, especially in binding and loosing prayers. When I say this, I have a sense of hope. I don't say, oh, our poor situation, we're not here yet. I don't lament over my grandchildren that they're just little kids. What a future. We have this to look forward to. We're going to become the city of the great king. Amen. A place for the Lord to rule. 
And then we will see our enjoyment will go even higher. Okay, point one. When the church is enlarged, strengthened, and built up, the house of God becomes the city of God as the kingdom for the God King to rule and reign. As the King unveiled in Psalm 45, Christ needs a city. Please be impressed. Don't, don't respond with superficial theological retorts. Can God need anything? Can Christ need anything? Didn't he create the universe without you? If God doesn't need anything, why did he ordain that we pray for his will to be done? Doesn't he need us? To cooperate with him? Doesn't he need us to be one with him? To be open to him? Surely he does in his economy. Christ needs a city. I sincerely believe that if the Lord could manifest himself right here, right now, in his state of glory, he would say, I need a city. But he's not speaking like that. He's speaking some other way. He needs a city in which he can rule. Where on the earth can he rule? The earth is filled with violence, lawlessness, rebellion, chaos. Is the Pope under the direct rule of God? The Cardinals, the Bishops, the Priests? Is PTL under the direct rule of God? Is the Southern Baptist Convention under the direct rule of God? A.W. Tozer, I believe a real overcomer. He spoke of the waning authority of Christ in the churches. I respect this, dear brother. May he be clothed in white garments and walk with the Lord in white. In Psalm 45, Christ, typified by Solomon, is unveiled and praised as the king. Immediately afterwards, Psalm 46 speaks of the city, a kingdom for ruling. As the house, the church is God's home, the place of his dwelling. As the city, the church is God's kingdom, the place of his ruling. If the Lord cannot rule in the prayer meeting of the church, then where can he rule in the church? He should be able to rule everyone and everything in the way described this morning. So every relationship with every member of the church is under his rule. Our feelings about everyone, 
They're under his rule. Our mind with its opinions. Our tongue. Our moods. Everything. Under the ruling of the shining Jesus. Now there's a city. The church is for the kingdom. That is, the house is for the city. Eventually, the house of God becomes the holy city, the new Jerusalem. The church is Christ's increase in life. And the kingdom is Christ's increase in administration. So as the Christ increases in his administration, he governs us. And the more he governs us, the more we live before his face. In the holiest face. Live before his face. Light of glory through me will shine. Doesn't this sound delightful? You're not oppressed. You're under his glorious shining, beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord. Now this element of glory is being infused into your inward parts, healing you, soothing you, restoring you, subduing you, so many things. And then the Lord, through the intuition and with the fellowship, impresses you with the next step. How you should pray. What you should do. This is what you should major in. You should attend this school and not that one. No, you should not respond to that brother's text. He may have some kind of interest. Don't encourage him. This is not merely you're being a good girl. You're being a good boy. You're living in the city. You're living under the shining of Jesus. There's a river flowing in your being. The church as the house of God must be enlarged to become the church as the city of God. The first step of the enlargement of Christ is the church as the house of God. The second step of the enlargement of Christ is the church as the kingdom of God. Three weeks from now, there will be a church in Tallahassee. Then in October, the church in Chattanooga. Probably in November, the church in Fort Lauderdale. And we're just getting going. Don't take this message now as a standard and go visit Tallahassee in two months and say, where's the wall? Where's the city? What's wrong with you guys? Aren't you one with the ministry? Oh, please. Please don't be one with the ministry in that way. If you're one with the ministry, you'll go to Tallahassee and enjoy God in the house of God. And just not measure the church. Oh, I don't see any wall here. 
Then you go online and blab. There's no city in Tallahassee. I just wonder how different our use of electronic media would be if we just lived under the shining of Jesus. Well, we'll just have to see. So, the church is enlarged to be the house. Uh, the, Christ, the enlargement of Christ is the church as the house. The enlargement of Christ is the church as the kingdom. The house is mainly with Christ as life. The city is mainly with Christ as the head. We strongly emphasize this this morning. When we realize that Christ is not only our life, but also our head, the church will be not only the house, but also the city. Now, this next point is crucial. And those of you who really have the heart to shepherd others, not in the way of trying to solve their problems, please don't take that tack, but in the way of supplying them and perfecting them. How, how would you carry out the next point? The real building of the city is to help all the saints to realize the headship of Christ. Okay. Okay, how do you do this? Here's a 19-year-old brother, 20-year-old brother, dear, precious, but just unruly. Not that he's wild and rebellious. He's just unruly. He's undisciplined. He's not sober. How do you help him to realize this? Do you rebuke him? Do you think that will help? I mean, do you, is that, this just doesn't work. Maybe you feel better. You get it out of your system. But that's the flesh. Well, there's no method but this is a crucial point. The real building of the city is helping all the saints to realize the headship of Christ. It's ministering to them. It's feeding them, praying with them, being a pattern to them. So when they touch you, you're not aware of it. They touch God and Christ ruling in a person. In a pleasant way. And so you thought, oh no, I really would like to have a minute of fellowship with the brother, but I'll probably hyperventilate and faint. And you realize you're not going to hyperventilate. You're not going to faint. This is your brother. This is your brother. Or maybe the Lord would give you a sense, this is a dad. Hey, this is a dad. Why would you be scared of dad? But we cannot help the saints realize something we haven't realized. Okay, we go on. Psalms 46 to 48 are on the church as the city of God. Here the church has become the city over which God rules and from which God reigns. Do you see the steps? Over which, now from which, 
And especially he will rule through our prayers. He will also rule through our powerful preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. We're commissioned, disciple the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, this is helping the new ones know God's rule over them and how pleasant it is. And some of the most difficult ones to help will be the most ethical, the most refined, the most preserved. They're just like Job, faultless. And you know what's coming. You don't say anything. And when it comes to them, you say even less than nothing, if that's possible. But you know, now the touch is coming to change you from being good to being God in life and nature. Because a good person is ruled by her conscience. That's why she's good. And there's a lot of fear associated with that. Not that much love. Just plain old fear. Fear of God's judgment. Fear of others' disapproval. Fear of a father's anger. What a blessing to minister to one so they can be brought on to live under the lovely shining of Jesus. And to live with a river flowing in their being. Now they have a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Psalm 46 is an unveiling of the God who meets our needs in the city. Oh, when the church is the city, all of our needs are met. Sadly, when the church is only the house, God cannot meet certain needs through the church. There's just no way. And sometimes saints are suffering unnecessarily. And that's all there are is opinions. And when dear brother Dave Higgins was very close to finishing his course, uh, I received, I know it was with a good intention, I received an email with a medical opinion asking me to pass this on to Dave. And before God, I couldn't do it and I wouldn't do it. This is just an opinion in the house. If you're in the city, you would realize something in your spirit. One day, this is a trainee sister, very unusual for a trainee sister. But two brothers had the same kind of cancer. And this sister was troubled by the sense that she had. So 
so the goal of the contact was to care for her in her troubling. And what she wanted to say was, as I pray, my feeling is that this brother will be healed and that brother will die. And I'm under the Lord's ruling, I believe. So I comforted her by saying, that's right. The Lord has made this known. And the brother knows this. Okay? The brother who's going to the Lord, he knows this. Just as Brother Lee eventually knew. But there were prayer meetings in Anaheim where one sister in particular would trample on others by her prayer, refusing to open to the possibility that our dear brother might go to be with the Lord. And after I was with Brother Lee the last time and said goodbye to him, Brother Gerald Chan and I spoke to him together. It was a precious moment. I was asked to go back to the Living Stream office and to go to the prayer meeting and inform the saints. And I told them, Brother Lee will go to be with the Lord today. And there was no more rebellious prayers. Rather, we prayed from another angle. This... This is the city. Please don't get the impression that I walk around with super discernment about this and that. And you have this situation, this will be the outcome. I, I'm not that. But in this situation, I was exercised. And I needed to be faithful and true to this sister. That your sense is correct. You just pray according to this. But if the church is only the house, so many needs which require the exercise of authority cannot be met. And there's needless sufferings. And I'll tell you something else that's really sad. Some saints realize that in my local church, there's not the capacity to meet this need. But I'm in a universal fellowship. I'm in the body. And they want to reach out and contact brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and to see certain leading ones be offended. How dare you step out the boundary? This, uh, this is horrible. I've received calls from brothers complaining. Why did you let this sister contact you? Why did you have fellowship with her? What did you say to her? In the city, the whole earth can be shaken. The mountains are moved. We're at peace. You read Psalm 46 again. In the city, God is our refuge, strength, 
and help in distress. He is most readily found. You, just say, you start to say, oh, Lord Jesus, by the time you say, oh, the flow has come to you already. You don't even have to kind of form a prayer. When you're in distress, you don't pray formally. When Peter is sinking, he doesn't say, Oh, Lord, you're transcendent. You can walk on the waves. You're able to save me from drowning. I, I know that you have the capacity. You have strong arms. That, that's preaching prayers of older sisters in the prayer meeting. God knows that he's quite capable of doing that. He knows he's omnipotent. He knows he's God. Just ask him, what do you want? Save me from drowning. Okay, I'll save you from drowning. In the city, the ruling center of God and his kingdom, there is a river whose streams gladden the city of God. Remember message 12 from the summer training. The Lord will recover the earth by flowing, by a river. Well, in the city, there's a river with many streams, many aspects of Christ, Every release spirit is a stream. You come to the microphone in about 10 or 12 minutes. There's a stream from you, a stream from you, a stream from so many. Now there's a river. The more the river flows, the happier we are. This river signifies the flowing of the triune God as life to us, as mentioned in Revelation 22, 1-2a. In the city, the enlarged, strengthened, and built-up church we have the flow of living water, therefore we are the most joyful people. This river gladdens the whole church. Have you not been in a meeting where a saint testified in such a way that the river flowed and everyone in the meeting was cheered up by that? This city, which cannot be moved, is the unshakable kingdom. Hebrews 12, 28 refers to Haggai 2. The Lord will shake everything that can be shaken. He will shake the heaven. He will shake the earth. But we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The kingdom is unshakable in its substance, which is God, unshakable in its foundation, which is Christ, unshakable in its structure, which is the church, unshakable in its constituents, which are the riches of the processed and consummated triune God, unshakable in its expression, which is the glory of the triune God, God expressed in his glory. When the church becomes the city, it becomes the safest place on earth. It is unshakable. The city of God cannot be shaken by anything. We have received an unshakable kingdom. B, in Psalm 47, we have the God King ruling over the earth through the city. So he has to get through the city. In Psalm 46, God is our enjoyment and meets our needs. In Psalm 47, God in Christ is the great King over all the earth through the the city. Some saints prayed for Iceland. Some saints prayed for Reykjavik, Iceland. 
In July, we got to fellowship with a dear brother from Iceland. The, the time is coming when there will be a meeting to have the Lord's table in Reykjavik and we will establish the Church of God in Reykjavik, Iceland. Amen. Several weeks ago, after a period of horror in Norway, we had a meeting on the Lord's Day and we proclaimed to Norway, it is now the third day in Norway, the day of resurrection. Amen. Now life will swallow up death. Amen. And as soon as that report hit the media, a dear brother in Oslo told me, emails, texts began to come to him from all over the earth. The saints saying, we are praying for this conference. We are praying for Oslo. Now God has a house in Oslo, Norway. And we believe the church in Grimstad, a lovely house there, the church in Oslo will grow and be strengthened and become the city. When the church becomes the city, God will subdue the peoples through the city and rule over all the earth in Christ as the king. Notice, through the city. That means he has to get through the church. The enemy realizes this. So he will concentrate his attack on stopping the Lord's advancement in the church and through the church. Now I can disclose to you this entire conference is an act of warfare to defeat the stratagem of the enemy. Amen. We put you on the alert. You will not stop God in his recovery. Amen. We realize we're all nobody. We're all nothing. But we're going to do the best thing we can do. We are going to love the Lord and open our being to him as never before. Amen. And we will enjoy him in the house. And we will pray that the house will be the city. The Lord on the throne is waiting for these prayers. Lord, cause all the churches in the southeast to be the city of God. Amen. Over which you rule, through which you reign. The Lord's recovery will enter into an unprecedented stage. A stage we've never been in before. 
especially with the prayer of the age and with the power and authority in the gospel preaching. And we will see, just as the dear brothers in Seattle more than 20 years ago began to pray for the Russian-speaking world and began to learn Russian, then in response to prayers, the Lord dissolved the Soviet Union and opened up Russia. And then the Lord's servant, the minister of the age, living under the direct rule of God in his spirit, received the impression, why not go to Russia? Then he shared with the co-workers, they said, Amen. Then there was a conference in 1991 on the world situation and the direction of the Lord's move. Imagine if instead of just a handful of saints praying like this, there were a few thousand all over the earth. In city after city, the Lord reigns over us. He flows through us. We bind we loose. We are one with the Lord. We pray the highest prayers. And then we will venture forth in the gospel with a power and an authority that we have not known much of until now. Not that we will have a big gospel movement, but that people will repent for the kingdom. And they will submit themselves to be baptized. And we will immerse them into the triune God. And after they have been immersed, we will teach them to do all that the Lord commanded us. We will disciple them. Doesn't this sound like good news? We may not be this today. Don't look at yourself. Look away. Don't examine the condition of your church. Look away. Don't scrutinize the brothers. Look away. Let's all look away to Jesus. He is the king on the throne. He's the king in our heart. And he is going to make us the city of God. The church as the city will bring the entire earth under God's authority and kingship in Christ. Psalm 48 is about the city of the great king. Here we have God in the climactic experience of the city. When we are built up as a city, God's greatness will be expressed. And God will be greatly praised. I can hardly wait. God's greatness will be expressed and he will be greatly praised. Amen. Amen. When the church is enlarged, strengthened, and built up, the church is elevated, and that elevation is Mount Zion, the reality of the body of Christ, the overcomers, then the built-up church causes the enemies to be dismayed and to hurry off in alarm. will be like that seeker in Song of Songs, chapter 6. Beautiful. Lovely as Jerusalem and Tirzah, terrible as an army of banners. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, 
God will shine. We will be beautiful. We will be the beautiful city. But when the enemy draws near, we will scare him to death. Don't you look forward to God being praised and Satan being frightened? What a future we have. Praise the Lord. Lord, we praise you tonight. We praise you in the city of God, the city of the great King. Lord, you are glorious. You are wonderful. We extol you. We magnify you. Hallelujah, Lord. We open our whole being to you. Recover us all the way back to yourself so that we live under your direct rule. And through us, you can reign all over the earth. We tell you respectively, do this, Lord. We charge you to do what you will to do. Build up the city in your recovery. And may we all participate. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for answering us. Praise the Lord. Now it's time for many to speak. Please set up the mic.